Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Ritchie. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, we got Wozni, Rebel HQ contributor, host of Woke Bros, writer at The Ringer. Also, in the bullpen, Christopher Bernard, commentator, Young Voices. We're gonna talk about Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine-Russia conflict, and how it's impacting energy globally. Should be an interesting conversation, developing. Breaking right now, 16 injured in Brooklyn, a Brooklyn subway shooting, okay? So let me give you some background to this as we know it thus far. The NYPD has not yet confirmed fatalities, but five victims are reported to be in critical condition. Once again, developing story. The suspect who was still at large is believed to have set off a smoke grenade moments before firing a barrage of bullets. There are also reports of undetonated devices found near the area. Here's some of the footage. Very sad, extremely sad. At least 16 people have been injured, including 10 who were shot. When a suspect set off a smoke grenade and unleashed gunfire on a Brooklyn subway train during Tuesday morning rush hour, the NYPD and law enforcement sources told the Post. The suspect has been described as a five foot five man around 170 pounds. The gunman, possibly disguised as an MTA construction worker and wearing a gas mask, launched his bloody assault around 8.30 AM on a Manhattan bound end train to the 36th Street Station in Sunset Park, where authorities later discovered several undetonated devices. The fire department and police said, here's a steal showing some of the aftermath that has been shared on local social media platforms. People are distraught. People are confused, people are injured, and yes, there could be, could be fatalities as well. Now, I wanna remind everyone, this is a developing story, a developing story. So make sure you keep up to date on details as they come, okay? All right. Also, there's an update to a story we covered right here on Indisputable. Let's put up a picture of the young 10 year old who committed suicide because she was being bullied and the school system decided to do nothing about it. Her name is Izzy Tishner, okay? She committed suicide because she was being bullied. Now, when I first brought you this story, when I first talked about this story, it was deeply emotional. It was a difficult story to hear. It was a difficult story to tell. But it was way more difficult for that child to bear. I said during that reporting, the school system has blood on their hands. 
Now we have a new report. The new report highlights how much that school system contributed to the death of this 10 year old child. Isabella Izzy Tishner, 10 years of age, was allegedly bullied at Foxborough Elementary School in Farmington, Utah for being autistic and black, which resulted in her dying by suicide in November. According to a report by KSL News Radio, based on an independent investigation commissioned by the <laughs> Davis School District. The report, which was completed after the girl's death, found Foxborough failed to address the bullying allegations in a timely manner. Okay? Now, naturally, we see a story like this, we assume that the bullying is coming from the students, her peer group. Well, yes. Some of that was there as well. But we have just learned based on this investigation that one of her teachers actually said that she smelled. A special education teacher told Izzy that she smelled. It was actually soon after this, <clears throat> Izzy committed suicide. Let's put up a picture of the principal of Foxborough Elementary, her name is Chris Whitaker. Chris Whitaker is in charge. Izzy's mother, according to the report, called the school claiming the same student, there's one student in the midst of this in particular, claiming the same student called Izzy's sister the N word and touched her. But the school could not confirm the alleged incident after speaking with two potential witnesses, the investigation found the Foxborough staff did not acknowledge the district's definition of bullying. And the school fostered an environment where bullying went unreported and unaddressed. The staff also took months to create an official record for Tishner's reports and only did that after she attempted suicide. There's more. The team was simply told to look at allegations from Tishner's mother, Brittany Tishner Cox surrounding race and or disability. So they said, make your scope narrow, which is a mistake. During the course of the investigation, the team did find that Tishna Cox complained to the district that her daughter was being bullied for her hygiene. Now remember, the district, the investigators, those looking into it, they wanted to limit the scope of the investigation to two variables. The reason why they wanted to do that is because they can then fix the conclusion by saying that the bullying was not excessive or saying the bullying was only attributed to A and B, but not C. This was also a way to not include what the teacher did to the child by not focusing on the fact that a teacher said that this child smelled bad and it contributed to her suicide. Do you see the game they're playing up front? There's more. Uh, Izzy's bullying allegations were not the first the Davis County School District had come across. Before her death, the Justice Department had done a detailed report on black and Asian American students being harassed within what? That same school district, Davis School District per CNN. The DOJ found students reports and complaints went deliberately ignored such as Izzy's. <clears throat> Let's be very clear about this. 
I don't give a damn what the rules say at the school and I don't care what the law says in your state. You are responsible for this child's death. I'm talking to the administrators at that school. You are adults. Children can be rude, children can be dismissive, children can be mean, but you are adults. And I don't care what others may say to protect your fragile ego right now. Oh, It's not your fault, there's nothing you could have done, damn lies. It is your fault and there are things you could have done. Now wear that, nobody is going to arrest you, unfortunately, you won't go to jail. Hell, I highly doubt any of you will even lose your jobs. But maybe take this as an opportunity to do better. It's unfortunate a 10 year old child had to die for you all to start doing your jobs and taking these things seriously. Racial bullying is real. A 10 year old killing herself. A 10 year old should not even know what suicide means. She killed herself because you all were inactive and decided to become her bullies too. You have to understand that school teachers and administrators, your words are heavy, they're heavy. They can't just brush off your words like they can with maybe a peer. Perhaps they can do it with a peer, but it becomes damn near impossible with somebody in a position of such public trust. Waz, what are your thoughts here? Man, uh, I have to echo your sentiments on that. It, it's it's crazy because, like you said, you you expect this type of behavior from young kids. Uh, kids are gonna say some crazy, cruel things at times. However, it's 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 the people in authority, and we say it all the time. Especially here, uh, I find we end up covering institutional failure and the lack of accountability on the parts of the people who set the culture of the place. If a teacher is participating in this level of abhorrent behavior, the students are gonna have no choice but to follow suit. And I think, you know, you talked about the investigation that comes after. And whenever and and you astutely pointed it out. Whenever you hear something about, well, they're narrowing the scope. What they're trying to communicate to us is, oh, we're pinpointing this. This is going to be exact. When realistically, all they're doing is they're excluding a host of other infractions so that they don't have to actually face any accountability. They're not being more precise. They're not being more, you know, pinpoint in their inquiry. They're basically covering tail um, and basically, you know, trying to skate on a, a, a just the worst type of injustice whenever a child's life is um, taken. That's right. And Republicans would like you to think that critical race theory, something that's not even taught in K through 12 education, should be the legislative focus of what they do to enhance or better K through 12 education. I guarantee you not one of those conservatives and hell, maybe not even the Democrats in that state will create legislation to solve this issue inside of the school system, a real problem, a real problem being faced by students right now. Another update, remember Soho Karen? Yeah, well she has now pleaded guilty. Let me remind you of the incident, here it is. 
Show me this is my phone. Show me. No. You don't have to explain nothing to her. Take the case off. That's mine. Literally, get it back. Are you kidding me? You feel like there's only one one iPhone made in the world? No. Okay, then show me the. No. Show me all my you get get a life over yeah, there. No, What's on your background? You better go use find find my iPhone. Go yeah, do that. Find my iPhone is off. Can, on that right no, no, you can't. No. I'm the manager of the hotel. I don't care. He will this is right my now. Son. Hey, can did I you see me just come downstairs? Yeah. Out of She has now pleaded guilty. Let's put up her picture. This is Maya Poncetto, AKA Soho Karen, all right? She pleaded guilty on Monday to unlawful imprisonment as a hate crime for her falsely accusing the then 14 year old Keon Harold Jr. of stealing her cell phone and then attacking him at the hotel. This was back in December 2020 when viral, everybody remembers this. So let me give you some background to what's gonna happen. So while Poncetto is already on probation in her home state from a separate case, she is avoiding jail time for this case as part of this guilty plea. Back in June, she initially pleaded not guilty to the hate crime charges. Now, according to CBS News, under the conditions of her plea deal, Poncetto will be required to continue counseling, avoid interaction with the criminal justice system and follow the terms of her probation from a separate California case. If she maintains those conditions for two years, she will be allowed to replead to aggravate harassment in the second degree as a class A misdemeanor. If she fails to abide by the terms, Poncetto could spend one to four years in state prison, okay? Uh, before I go into some more detail here, I want to remind everyone of the systemic issues involved. If you remember, Soho Karen was in a hotel and she made an accusation against another guest. Well, in that accusation, she decided to become aggressive, violent, to physically stop a person's mobility. Well, the hotel manager, decided to get involved by going after the black family, systemic bigotry. At no point did he say, wait a minute, this is a guest. You cannot talk to guests this way. We have security footage that can be reviewed. You make a claim at the desk. Nobody did that. Nobody from that hotel said you have to stop harassing these two black people and one of course, was a black 14 year old child. Let me show you how this is a systemic racial failure. Imagine if a black man lost his cell phone and he decides to go up to a white woman and a white child. 
and start telling them you're not leaving this hotel room until I get a hotel until I get my cell phone. And then physically stops their movement, runs after them, physically assaults the child, the 14 year old white girl. What do you think happens in that situation? Do you think the hotel manager comes up and says to the 14 year old white girl or to the white parent, hey, what what have you all done here to make this African American male so upset? Hell no, you know, no matter what your political belief is, you know good and damn well that would never be the reaction of the hotel manager, thus proving the issue of systemic racism, institutional racism, bigotry and bias existing and permeating in the culture for one reason, the color of skin, the color of skin. There's more to the story, acting justice Laura Ward told Ponsetto in the Supreme Court, you have been given a tremendous opportunity. Turn this lousy situation into a good situation so you never find yourself here again, Ward also warned Ponsetto to have no contact with Harold Jr. or his father, who happens to be a jazz musician, Keon Harold, for the next two years. The last time she was in the Big Apple for a court date, Ponsetto told the Post that she wished she had apologized differently to the victim. I feel like I made a mistake, she said. Um, Harold Sr. took to his Instagram following the ruling with a screenshot of a headline and photo of Ponsetto from civil rights attorney Ben Crump's IG. In the caption, Harold thanked followers for their ongoing support as his family fights for justice and also said, and I quote, my son and our family deserve more than an apology after being wrongfully and aggressively attacked in the lobby of the Arlo Hotel. For Ms. Ponsetto to describe the unprovoked assault as a mistake minimizes the trauma that Keon Jr. continues to feel to this day. Harold explained his family not only blames Ponsetto, but also the hotel for not de-escalating the situation. And he finally closed demanding for accountability. The only way we can get individuals and corporations to change the culture of systemic racism is to hold them accountable for their actions each and every time. A clear message that this sort of abhorrent behavior would not be tolerated needs to be made, period. All right, they have sued Ponsetto over the situation. I think they need to sue the hotel as well. Why's thoughts here? Yeah, you you hit the nail right on the head that the hotel to me is the most responsible party because they're the ones that are essentially in charge here. They're the ones who set what the rules are for guest behavior and they're the ones who enforce said rules. And they just didn't do that here. They let this lady have free reign to go accusing whoever the hell she pleased, basically based on these people being black. Um, and she got to behave however she wanted. She put hands on people and nobody stepped in. And it's crazy, Dr. Richie, because you know, in retail space, I have friends that work in retail and they'll tell you if you you watch somebody walking out the store with an iPhone, don't touch them, don't follow them, don't do anything. You can see something like that occur. And you mind your business because once you go attacking people and all of that, they got free reign to do whatever they want with you. Um, this lady is absolutely lucky the amount of restraint 
yeah. these brothers showed um, in that situation. She's lucky that she didn't get her top popped <laughs> because of this, you know. And and the, and the hotel manager just automatically siding with her, the mm-hmm. fake damsel in distress, while just casting aspersions on these completely innocent fellow guests. Uh, it's awful, and I would hope that they have to pay some level of recompense to those guests, man, because this is BS. Yeah, we're gonna follow the case. Um, as I said, uh, Soho Carrot has been sued. It has not gone to trial yet. So obviously, there's going to be an update to that case pretty soon. Let me show you the picture of an alleged monster, okay? Let's put her picture up. This is a school teacher at a Richmond charter school who has been arrested on 29 counts of child molestation. The teacher in question is Anessa Page Gower, 35 years of age, who is a biology teacher at Making Waves Academy. This story has so many twists and turns. Prosecutors allege that Gower engaged in numerous acts of a sexual nature with seven minors, seven, between 2021 and 2022. According to a statement released by the DA's office on Friday, the allegations include sex acts with minors, inappropriate touching, and sharing sexually graphic photos over online platforms. Put up her picture again. Okay, that's the alleged monster. And I want to remind everyone that monsters come in all shapes and forms. Okay, now you may think, well, this is a tragedy, but obviously an isolated incident at this school. It gets deeper. Nelson said that Gower has been terminated and the school has reached out to parents, students, and faculty to provide support where it might be needed. Gower is in custody. With bail set at 1.19 million. Okay, now I did some research on this. Less than 1% of institutions, we're talking about K through 12 education, will actually have to deal with a teacher who commits child molestation, less than 1%. All right, this school has dealt with it multiple times. Let's put up a picture. Of this monster. So the first monster is actually the second teacher to face charges for molesting a student at that same school. In 2017, that guy, Ronald Ginto, was convicted for abusing 12, 12 students. The 12 boys sued, making waves. In 2015, alleging that the school knew or should have known that Ginto was dangerous in part because he had been fired from a Boy Scouts program years earlier. The suit also alleged that making waves did not prevent Ginto from using his status as a teacher there to convince parents to sign their children up at Camp Epic. Not only do you have two educators in the same school, they were able to molest or allegedly molest multiple children during their tenure. Now, 
This is a systemic failure, okay? This is not just an isolated incident. There's an issue connected to this institution that must be unraveled. And remember, we've reported on many of these stories on Indisputable because I believe we gotta shine a light to this stuff. I wanna remind everyone that these predators seek opportunity to be trusted by kids. They seek these public trust opportunities and these positions. Now, the vast majority of school teachers would never engage in something like this. I was adopted by a school teacher. I know many of them, most of them, the vast majority of great people. But you have to know your teachers, all right? This guy already had a problematic past. Wild thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, repeated incidents where multiple teachers are engaging in abusive behavior, you would think your antenna would be up after you get just one sort of accusation, yeah. let alone um, you know, credible accounts of an employee engaging in this behavior. You would hope that the powers that be sort of implement some processes that allow for them to catch this kind of thing, but obviously they didn't. And you would hope that the proper people, man, are held to account because something like this just can't happen. This just it's just it just can't happen. Kids go to school to learn. This is about as vital a task as we have in our society, educating our kids. They can't be environments where they're being abused because they have no other choice. Children have to be educated, and so therefore we have to ensure that these these places are safe, and that we're weeding out people who are abusive to to young people. That's right. You you got to enhance your systematic protocols for children. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, all right, we got a lot of show left. Uh, let me read a few of these comments and then we'll get right back into it. Um, v says, just like now one crazy stuff happening on a Tuesday morning in NYC. Just like now one reports of New Yorkers coming together to help each other is also scary and sad. That's correct, Greyhound Dragon, teachers are supposed to be the ones to lead by example. If Kids see teachers picking on a child and calling them out on hygiene. You know the other students are going to attack them as well. Uh, yeah, Craig Gray Souffle, of all the Karens you've shown here, Dr. Richie, I've hated this one the most. Yeah, talking about Soho. Um, and Adrian Bixon says, as an autistic person who was bullied by teachers and students as well, this breaks my heart. I was suicidal at 10 too, that's so sad. So sad, all right, thank you for sharing that. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're my still friend, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. That's one way to stop the Walmart person from asking for your receipt. <laughs> what am I supposed to say, man? I mean, she's above the law. The hell can we do? Obviously, Walmart security cannot touch that. What's loss prevention going to do about that? Karen is above the law, Waz. 
Dude, the, the roar. That that's that's what I like. She had that primal roar roar, like stay away from me. I'm dangerous and I will hurt you. Uh that that was that was interesting. And and the fact that she's not afraid of police, that's right. That that is that's inspiring right there. I don't know that I share those sentiments, but <laughs> I, I like watching it for sure. All right, I got something for everybody. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel great. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You are a. Call me another. Call me another. Hey, y'all, watch this. Hey, y'all, watch this. I am going straight to hell. I am not supposed to laugh at that, damn it. All right. Mm. Okay. I do not condone spraying elderly Karens with water. I really hope it was water. So let me give you some background to this particular Karen. The Karen in question here. Why you gotta stop laughing, brother? Oh, I'm sorry, man. Brother, you gonna Her get facial expression when she realized what was happening <laughs> just took me out. Cause she went from defiance to just oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. So this particular Karen was calling the, the black male the N-word over and over again. And I don't know why he had a spray bottle of water, maybe for cats. I don't know. But he decided to spray the Karen with water. Listen, I don't condone it, but that, you know, there are worse ways to deal with Karens. Okay. All right, we're gonna show the video again. That's what we're gonna do. All right, we'll show it again. All right, here it is. You know, I mean, when you think about it, you know, it's just water, you know. Was hey man, this is this is Karen repellent. <laughs> you know, you know, a, okay. a, a lot of us back in the days had to deal with rodents in the crib, and and you had to get the raid and all kinds of repellents to get rid of some of these, you know, uh, these these annoyances. Uh, this guy developed a a brand new Karen repellent. It it, it works beautifully. <laughs> can we can we put a, a picture up of the Karen full mass here? All right. I gotta say, those are some stylish sandals she has on. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments. Craig Craig Souffle says, I am Karen. Hear me roar. Literally. All right, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon. I'm melting. Oh, what a world! What a world! <laughs> right? Did he think she was a witch? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Clubber Lang says, uh, "Blood of Christ compelled you, Karen." And Homo Spicious says, "Spicious says, it's hard to have any sympathy for OG Karens that thrived during the segregation era." Era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she was hell back then, man. Damn. Okay, uh, very sad story. A cop fatally shot a man 
standing in his own driveway. Let me give you some background to this story. A grandfather who was simply protecting his home during a suspected break-in was fatally shot in his own driveway by the police. I got some of the footage, here it is. The man who had the gun was protecting his own home because he thought it was being burglarized. Let's put up a picture of Mr. Calhoun. Mr. Calhoun is almost was almost 70 years of age, was shot by Clayton police near his home in Jonesboro just before 6 a.m. on March 23rd. This is in the state of Georgia. There's a reason why Mr. Calhoun had a gun. I'm gonna get into that in just a moment. The incident began when Clayton police received multiple 911 calls about a man with a gun moving suspiciously around homes on Jenny Circle just before 5.30 AM. The department said in the release, around the same time police arrived, a 911 caller reported hearing a shot fired in the neighborhood. At that point, Clayton police said the officers followed department procedure and took out their own rifles. They first saw him moving through yards and the street at 5.33 a.m. Then saw him lying in the grass with the long gun at 5.38 a.m. according to the release. Officers then saw the man move behind the white truck, pointing his gun at houses before moving to the street where he was seen sitting, lying down around 5.50 a.m. according to the police report. Officials said the officers had two points of observation where they could see the man pointing his long gun at one of the officers. In response, one of the officers fired his rifle, hitting the suspect at 5.52 a.m. The timeline is important. Officers rendered first aid until the fire department arrived and took over at about 6.01 a.m. Shortly after Mr. Calhoun was pronounced dead. Let's put his picture up again, okay? He's an elderly man, right? His family, on Friday, Calhoun's family detailed multiple factors to explain why he was lying in the street with a shotgun. Calhoun's wife, Cheryl Calhoun, said someone tossed a brick through their back window in February in what they believe was an attempted burglary. Police confirmed in their news release that an act of vandalism had been reported at the couple's home on February 7th, they were telling the truth. Calhoun family's lawyer said officers never announced themselves as law enforcement and did not arrive with lights or sirens on. Here's what you have happening. You have a de facto no knock warrant in a place where a warrant is not necessary. If they would have turned on their lights, had their sirens blasting, if they would have announced themselves, Mr. Calhoun would likely be alive today. So why are we shooting first and then asking questions later? When did that become part of the protocol? Let's put up a picture of the Clayton County Police Chief, Kevin Roberts. The buck stops with him, he's the guy in charge. All right, we're gonna continue to follow this story. But once again, an opportunity for the community and police officers to actually have a transparent conversation about what happened. 
this doesn't make sense. This man was shot at his home. And from the video that we have, they clearly shot first and then made demands later. All right, Waz, thoughts on this case? Yeah, it just seems like more cops with the itchy trigger finger here. That was just really jarring to see how aggressively they moved forward and, and, and killed this guy. Of course, you know, we're gonna hear the typical, oh, we have the most dangerous jobs in the world, and you don't know what it's like to be in a cop's shoes, et cetera, et cetera. But guess what, man? Um, no matter how hard your job is, you need to be effective at it and you need to do it in a manner where you're not killing citizens at literally at home. Um, if there's been reportings and police reports of you know, robberies and burglaries and things of that nature in the area. I think the people who are showing up should know know this information yeah. and understand that people are gonna be on guard, right? Like, especially in a place like Georgia where having a firearm is not just legal, it's the norm. It's what people generally are doing. So you shouldn't be shocked when you see a guy on his porch with a gun. Right, and here's the thing. This is where community policing would have saved a life. Community policing is not just a policy, it's a culture. Community policing is a protocol and a culture connected. Community policing would have said, you know, I know the Calhouns. Mr. Calhoun had a break in on February 7th. Mr. Calhoun has a gun. I know Mr. Calhoun. That's Mr. Calhoun. Don't shoot him. This is his home, right? You have to connect the policy to the culture to make community policing work. Kentucky jail official went on a racist, <laughs> racist tirade. This was amazing. And he was recorded by the former sheriff. Uh, let's put up a picture of the racist jailer. All right, let's keep his picture up. He's an elected Kentucky jailer, has been caught repeatedly using racial slurs during recorded conversation. And it's not the first time he's been caught up in racist behavior, okay? Um, so you have Bullitt County Jailer Paul Watkins, um, that's Mr. Watkins. He was voted into office uh, in 2018, he is now seeking re-election. He's seeking re-election. Watkins is said to have used the N-word six times during the 64 minute recording. Now who recorded him? This guy recorded him, but who was he? He, that guy, is the former County Sheriff Dave Greenwell. This was during a conversation they had on March 3rd. So Dave set up and recorded his buddy, Paul. Now, let me say this, okay? Let's put up a picture of the sheriff again. All right, the former sheriff. Um, I'm not a fool. I'm pretty sure this sheriff has used the N word too. Uh, and that's probably why his buddy felt comfortable using it in front of him, okay? So there's more to the story. Uh, that person, uh, the former sheriff is no stranger to controversy himself. He was actually indicted on charges of hindering a federal drug investigation. He was actually acquitted on that later. The recording has been submitted into a whistleblower lawsuit filed in state court against Watkins last year by two employees at the detention center. Sounds as if there's some inside politics happening.
The lawsuit covers previous accusations of an atmosphere of racism that created a hostile work environment, all right? Now, what's on the recording? All right, the recording that was obtained by WDRB Watkins opined, and I quote, I'm saying this like to you all. I don't say this in public. See, my granddaughter's married to an F and N word. And this, and he is an N word. There's a thing, wait a minute, I heard the recording while I'm, I'm trying to do it in the spirit of the jailer, all right? Give me a minute, brother. Okay, this is how he talks. It's not my fault he talks like this. Try it. There's a thing, there's a difference between a black guy and an N word. And this, and he calls him a bastard. And he goes on, there's more. Uh, in another point of recording, he shared his thoughts on interracial relationships, just volunteered his thoughts saying, and I quote, I mean, I know I'm old school, but I ain't never seen like all of this ish, have y'all? And then you watch TV and you see effing N words and a effing white woman, all kind of ish, all right? Oh, it gets deeper. Uh, Greenwall, uh, who was fired by Watkins, okay? Greenwall was fired by Watkins, explained to WDRB that Watkins called the meeting to gain Greenwell's support for his campaign and to apologize for past grievances between the two men. So literally, you're asking the guy that you fired to now endorse you in your political campaign. He came to the meeting saying, yeah, I got your endorsement, all right. Um, so I'm gonna let you say the N word for 60 minutes. You know, uh, here's the thing, Jayla. Let's put the jailer's picture up again. Okay. The jailer should have known something was up when his buddy didn't repeat the N-word back in the first 10. Okay. All right. Watkins even at one point addressed the previous accusations of racism by claiming he is not prejudiced. All right. Uh, the excuse for his most recent racism, Watkins attorney, Carol uh Petite said the comments were made while Watkins was enduring a period of significant personal stress. Well, damn, I didn't know stress just magically makes somebody racist, okay? That's a new one. You gotta look this up in the, I guess, American Psychological Association handbook. Maybe it's there. Was, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, both of these gentlemen can go to hell, but it is quite interesting. Uh, how this happened, right? What are your thoughts? He said old school, and this is yeah, this is just old school bigotry. Um, I'm always surprised how often just interracial dating plays such a huge role in this. Like they really just get upset at the idea that white women might participate in. Um, you know, consensual sexual activities yeah. with black guys. Like this is what it all boils down to. He's like, we're seeing our women. <laughs> They're taking right. our women. <laughs> right. You know, it's 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 all so silly. But yeah, obviously this guy doesn't deserve his job. And you know, on a more serious note, Dr. Richie, so many of our you know, penitentiary facilities are completely inhumane in how right. we maintain them and the, the conditions that they're in. And that stuff, and that's just from the system itself. 
It's only exacerbated by having the people in charge of those things be so bigoted and hateful of the population, man. It's it's really sad. And that's why this really matters. Like this guy's in a position to make the lives of these inmates freaking hell. And we know that he would want to because he's so freaking racist. That's right. And see, that's the policy connection here. You have a racist jailer, you have a jailer who's openly racist. You don't think he hires racist people? You don't think he has other conversations like that with other people that work under him, under his command? Of course. And you don't think his policies reflect bigotry and racism at their core? Of course they do. But once again, according to him, he's not prejudiced at all. His racism is simply a product of his stress. All right. Here's one way to get out of jury duty. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Let's just go to the video. Question. Yes, please. And hold on. Let me find your name. It is Bristol. Yes, please. Yes. Okay. So I'm reading. So it's a whole entire month. First of all, let me clarify myself. Okay. July 7th is my birthday. Yes. Fourth is my son. The eighth is my other son. That ain't gonna work off me. Then they're gonna realize. Okay, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Don't talk too fast, please. We have oh. to be able to understand. Okay. So you said that the July, there's dates in, in, in July that you're not available. What are July those dates? July 7th, July 4th, which is closed, and July 18th. But you're then again, I need to figure out something. I have my sugar daddy that I see every day. I'm sorry? My sugar daddy. Okay, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, but well, we'll I'm married and I have my sugar daddy. Okay, I see him every day. All right, ma'am, we'll come back to you. Okay, thank you. Now that's how you get out of jury duty. She said, I am married and I have a sugar daddy. I mean, it seems like the judge understood. She said, all right, man, we'll come back to you. It worked. You <laughs> cannot argue that the strategy did not work, okay? All right, it looks like she had a sugar daddy calendar. She had dates. What are you gonna say to that if you're a judge? Okay, <laughs> what are you going to say about the sugar daddy calendar? I mean, madam, you came here with receipts and details. What can I do about that? All right, obviously I can't, I can't inconvenience your sugar daddy. <laughs> well, I've heard, Doctor Richie, that you know marriage can be a full time job. You know, <laughs> well. uh, maintaining the family <laughs> can be a full time job, but I know sugar babying can also. Be a full-time job, man. These these things is maintenance. And look, I'm I'm not here to 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 shame sex work or kink shame. We're a sex positive show here yeah. at Indisputable. So you know, look, the woman is busy. Okay, she's, she's occupied, man. She's occupied. It's gonna be tough to to manage all this, you know, uh, <laughs> jury duty stuff when her yeah. real job is calling. And let me say this on a serious note. When you have serious cases in particular, you want jury members who can really pay attention to the evidence. This was a serious jury selection. So let me give you some background to what the jury selection was about. So a prospective juror for the sentencing of Florida school shooter Nicholas Cruz told the judge she would not have time for the civic duty because she's both married and has a sugar daddy. This is a very serious jury. Parkland gunman Nicholas Cruz pleaded guilty in October to 17 counts of first degree murder and 17 counts of attempted murder in connection with the massacre. But the death penalty trial was delayed after prosecutors said they needed more time to interview the mental health experts 
who are expected to testify on behalf of the school shooter. The three-step jury selection process, which actually started Monday, is expected to last two months, followed by a four-month trial to determine if Cruz receives the death penalty or life in prison without the possibility of parole. So once again, I do encourage jury duty. But I want jurors to be there who can pay attention to the data, to the information, to what's being shared, because that's important, especially when you're talking about cases like this. So once again, serious jury, she doesn't seem to be the settle down type. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work, always a pleasure, brother. Uh, same, the pleasure's all mine. Yeah, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of work with Rebel HQ now, so be on the lookout for that. Of course, my MBA and culture work at TheRinger.com. And please check out Woke Bros, a podcast that I do with Nando Vila. You can get that on every single uh, podcast platform or medium. Beautiful, always a pleasure, my dear brother. Thank you for being on the show. All right, for those that are watching via linear television, uh, that concludes our Hour. Uh, but if you are watching via streaming, uh, we are going to continue the program with the bullpen coming up next. I encourage you, if you're watching me on Linear TV, make sure you hop on the streaming platform, check out the rest of the show. Let me remind everybody of a few things, okay? The watch list, the watch list. Subscribe to the watch list with JR Jackson, the big homie. That's easy. YouTube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Follow and like on Facebook.com forward slash Watch list TYT. Watch live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Really, really great content. News, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.